Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super-fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com All righty, gang. Welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We got a really fun show for you today. We have a big-time special guest joining us today. So we're going to let a few people jump on here and get going. Marley, you can see him right there over my shoulder. Right right there, excuse me. Right there over my shoulder. Come on. Come on, Marley. Come on, get over here. Welcome, everybody. Welcome. Thanks for joining us today. We got a really, really good show for you today. You're going to learn a lot today. A lot of history is going to get shared. You're going to get to hear about growing up, fishing for a living, and sport boats, and all that good stuff. We got a really special, special guest, one of my big-time heroes growing up as a kid. Not much older than me, but, you know, back in those days when you're like three or four years older than the other guy, you're like his hero when you're a kid. So we're going to, with no further ado, we are going to bring in one of my best friends on the planet Earth and one of my heroes, Mr. Don Brockman. Welcome. Thank you very much, Donnie, for being a part of my show. Oh, my God. I didn't know I needed to bring Vaseline today to the show. Oh, my gosh. Oh, and, you, are the, you are one of my buddies. You are my pal. Right. You never let, and, you never and, let and me David, David, you know what? The funny part is, is that we both learn from each other, whether you know it or not. Well, and, thank you uh, very much. you know, it's uh, everyone has a past and we all got past those past, but but you know what? The thing is, it's still fun. Absolutely. Whether whether what whatever I'm doing and whatever you're doing right now, we're still having fun because you know what? That's who we are. Yeah. You know, exactly. if if you'd have, if you'd have thought that you'd have a monkey behind you right now and you'd be smiling and taking care of it, and you'd be going, "Man, you're crazy." I never thought I wouldn't be on a sport boat. I never thought, you know, that I wouldn't be running a boat every day. I never thought I wouldn't be there. And this morning I took my wife out striper fishing and we were chasing breezers like we were chasing bluefin in the ocean. And it, it was funny, like my wife was like one of the Groupons as we're running up on a breezer. She's running to the bow of the pontoon boat trying to cast an anchovy. I said, no, no, honey, we got, they're going to be behind us. Don't, you know. So, and and guess what? And I get excited and I, I still do that. And yes, guys, as you get older, I did lose a tooth. I'm not a tweaker. I have never done drugs. So any of those rumors, I'm not that Donald Brockman. <laughs> but but anyways, but no, and it's all fun. And you know what? I appreciate the, the things. And, you know, we're all legends in our own mind. Yes, you know, we but, are. But but oh, you know what? I'm always hey, I'm always learning. I'm learning here at Lake Havasu right now. You know, trying oh, yeah. to figure it out, you know. Well, that's so, the thing about fishing. If we had it all figured out, we would be on an island somewhere and they would just be shoveling money at us. Well, my my ex-father-in-law was Les Robertson and he um this was 
30, 45 years ago, he used to run the boats out of Pier Point Landing. And he said back then, if anybody could ever figure out fishing, we'd be a millionaire. And that was 45 years ago. So you just think about what it is now. And I mean, you know, there's people that have, have gotten better, like the Lasleys of the world and other people. Like I, I was called the king of squid when I climbed off the light boats. But, you know, you get good at something and, and you, you look like you're better than anybody else. But you, they always fish, always throw you a curve. No matter what you think, they always throw you a curve. And that's what makes fishing fishing. So it's I not called catching. Who we're talking with here, everybody. This is Don Donnie Brockman. This is Donald Brockman, owner of the free, own, former owner of the Freelance, big time Davies Locker legend for years and years. Those of you that are just joining us, Donnie and I grew up together in the industry, not even twenty miles apart, but we grew up together, Donnie. Why don't you just tell everybody just a little bit about where you came from, how you got into fishing. We are, some people know where you, where you are now and what happened, but most people have no idea who the real Donnie Brockman is. Where did you start? Who got you into fishing? Let's go start there and then we'll take off. Well, I started out as a deckhand on the old Del Mar, the one that sank outside of Newport, but it wasn't in Newport. It was in Long Beach. And I started with a guy named Tom Mooney. And um, I actually was telling the story the other day. I'd worked for $9 a trip. I'd work three trips a day. I'd make $27. And I'd walk away with about $40 in, in tip money then. And I thought I was rich. And when I turned 18, I had $27,000 in the bank because guess what? All I did was go fishing every day. And do you know, David, I made 27.5% interest at constitutional savings and loan then on that money. And that's how, you see that boat behind us? So um, I, I got my captain's license when I was 19 I had an opportunity to run that boat, the Sport Fisher, in Oceanside. When Oceanside first opened back up, when the Helgrams first got it back, they didn't have enough boats. So the Sport Fisher was a half-day boat. And Phil Tozer at the Pavilion saw that I was an up-and-coming guy, and they needed a, they needed a three-quarter day boat at the landing there, and they had an opportunity to – I had my choice between the Matt Walsh or the Sport Fisher – and I chose the sport fisher because I knew the boat. And uh, that's what started it all. That was 1977, 78. And we built the freelance um, in 1984 with part of that 27,000 I had in the bank from back then. I ended up, we started the freelance. We had about right about $100,000 in 1984 in the bank account. And, and it's like a million now. Right. Fuel was 18 cents a gallon. You know, so I ran a trip that we, we went wherever we needed to go. We still run a trip on the freelance. And yes, I might not own the freelance, but the freelance is in the Brockman family. My son took it over. And so the freelance hasn't gone anywhere. It's still in the Brockman family. It's just my son is trying to 
uh, it's his shot at it. Right. So, and I'm, I'm, and, and I'm kind of in the background helping him. Well, let's roll back because we're way too far ahead. There's so much history with that boat right there over your shoulder. I had the opportunity in 1980 or 79 to be your cook on that boat because there's a lot of people here that know my father and I, they know the legend of Don Hansen. But to be perfectly honest, I wasn't the greatest human being in the world back then. So my dad and I, we didn't always get along. So Donnie offered me a job cooking on the sport fisher. And uh, something a lot of people don't understand, things are way different today than they were back in those days. Way different. There, We used to catch, with you, we used to catch so many flipping fish. Mind-boggling amount of fish gang that you can't even comprehend. Most people... Can't even comprehend. We had that sand bass migration that would come up here. Gang, whatever we're talking about today, you have to always remember it's cyclical. So just because they're not here today, that doesn't mean they're never coming back. But but back in the day, Donnie, what did we carry on that boat? 60 people? 49. 49. And we would catch 490 sand bass. We would catch another couple, two, three hundred barracuda, probably 40 or 50. Yeah. And, and David, we didn't just do that a couple days a week. Every day. Every day. Every day. Twilight. And then yep. twilight. And then we would do that day in and day out, day in and day out, day in and day out. And we, you guys can't understand the sport. David. David. Tell them what size bait we had back then, too. We had anchovies bait. Yeah, but they were this big. Two eyeballs and a wiggle. <laughs> and uh, they were pinheads. But we right. still caught fish with them, gang. And Don Brockman, I don't know. There was just something about that old wooden boat and you driving it. And, and man, you were so... You're only four years older than I am, but you were, like, so... Such, like an older soul, such something to look up to in that wheelhouse. And, and we were just kids, but man, as far as fishing goes, gang, you don't understand. Donnie was like, like back in those days, and I'm sorry, I'm not trying to kiss your ass or finish up, but there was a thing about you. You were so focused, laser beam focused on catching fish. Like people can't understand how there's a, there's a handful of captains today and, but there, there was nothing that mattered more to you than catching fish. That was yeah. it. And, and, and David, you know, there was a, a friend of mine. Um, I don't want to say a personal growth person or whatever. About 15 years ago, came up to me. And uh, she was friends with my wife. And uh, she goes, Donnie, did you ever wonder how you knew where the fish were? And I sat there and I go, well, that is weird because every morning I'd come out of the harbor and I'd go, which way am I going to go today? And I'd, and I'd tell my crew, I can smell the barracuda. And they'd go, huh? I can smell them. And then what would happen a couple hours later? We'd find the barracuda off the beach. <laughs> but, I mean, it, it's just and, – and back then we didn't have sonar. It was strictly eyeballs, information – you know, it was it was putting everything together. And, you know, now guys have got GPS. 
guys have got things that that make their life so satellite, much easier. Satellite imaging, the the network of people and the way they can communicate from a hundred, five hundred, a thousand million miles away with just a phone call, which we didn't have any of that back then, gang. And like Don my, was saying, my proudest moment on the sport fisher was leaving at seven o'clock in the morning, getting jig bit on the albacore on the 14 mile bank with Tom Butler, God rest his soul. God rest his soul. And looking in my binoculars at a bird school and seeing the Royal Polaris coming towards me, I thought I had died and gone to heaven. God had come down and was coming towards my 1938. Guys, that boat was built in 1938. Single screw wood boat, and I'm out here with the big boys. <laughs> yeah, and that was, but you know, that was those are memories like 1983 when that El Nino came in and the down. yellowfin. Slow down, we don't want we're going. Oh, I'm, all, I'm all coffeeed up, so <laughs> imagine though that 49 people catching that kind of fish, and then when things started to slow down, where would you go on that? And how fast was the boat back then? Eight and a half knots. Eight and a half knots, and you would go everywhere. You would go everywhere. You we would see you at the clam beds down there below, mm -hmm. below the barn. We'd see you between the barn and Oceanside. Here would come Donnie, and you left at seven in the morning. But you would get down there, and you would. And I'm sorry, old timers that are watching this, but you'd get down there and wax the fleet. You'd get down and wax the whole fleet's there, and here comes Donnie. And, and you know what the number one thing was, David? I carried more bait than everyone. That's why I built right. four tanks oh. on the freelance. I have carried more bait. Bait was the master. Oh, the king of bait. We would be blown away because we had a bait company at the time that would, we'd have 60 people on the Clemente and we would get 20 scoops, maybe. And Donnie right. would have 100 scoops. Him and the bait guy were like this, but it mattered because, but here's another thing. There were no private boaters back then. Think about this gang. There were no private boaters back when we were doing this in the seventies, in the early eighties. Remember there were no private boats. You never saw, very rarely did you see a private boater. And what did you and Harmon call them? Mosquitoes. Pots. Pots. And mosquitoes. They were pots. Pots and mosquitoes. Pots. That's what private boaters were back in those days. And you very rarely saw one. And they yeah. very rarely would fish by us. If Even if they did come out, they would go fishing for fish. Not like nowadays where they follow the sport boats all day, every day. But let's just go. Okay, so you're on the sport fisher. And did you start fishing squid back then? Because I, I remember 70s. And no, 80s, I started. I, so when we built the freelance. You know, you know, I went all in. Um, we were very lucky to get the boat finished. We went all in. Uh, and um, so I had never had a boat payment. You know, and here's a $4,000 a month boat payment. Well, here comes the wintertime. Everything was fun and dandy during the summer and blah, blah, blah. And here comes the wintertime. Well, all, only thing we could catch fish on was squid. And the only squid was at Catalina. So we start running to Catalina every two or three days to get bait. 
Well, back then I was one of the few boats that had sonar because that was the main thing I put on the boat. First thing was a sonar. And uh, all of a sudden these purse sainers over there seeing this sport boat, this 80 foot sport boat with 50 to 100 ton of squid under it. And they're going, what the hell's going on here? And uh, then they decided to hire me for 20% of the catch. And all of a sudden from going every two or three nights, I was having to go every night. And, uh, and it was found out I couldn't burn, burn the candle on both ends. Never did drugs. I got whatever two or three hours I could do. And, you know, like the days we caught 180 yellowtail, I didn't need to sleep, (laughs) you know, but, um, and, and the sad part of it for me today is if you ask your crew now today to go make bait, they want to know how much money's in it for it. That, right. Back then, the guys just went to go get the catch. Oh. And because the crew makes money when you catch fish, you know, but it's all about, you know, just how things have changed nowadays, you know. Oh, absolutely. And I know, and, and I mean, I even made it easier for my crew. I went as far as built a bait net, which I know you wanted to talk about, you know, because squid, guys, squid don't float all the time. And that's why you got to buy it for bait or whatever. Well, I made sure we could catch it no matter what it was doing. And I had one of the um, purse boats build me a small little Lampara net yet that we set off the, off the boat and pulled it by hand. And so no matter what, if there was, if there was, you know, a hundred scoops of squid there, we were going to catch 50 of it. Right. Well, that's a great story, and I want to talk about it because I was working back in those days for a guy named Doug Harmon, which was one of your close personal friends. And I have a phenomenal interview with the two of you on mm-hmm. my website that we did. We shot five years ago. And, gang, it's a phenomenal interview. If you want to listen to Donnie some more, you can visit my website and see more about Don Brockman. But look at Donnie had a laser beam focus about fishing that you can't you can't teach anybody. This is just a God-given thing. And timing. You have probably the best timing in the industry because you built the freelance right before the greatest fishing in the history. of. And I know we had some epic Dorado fishing last mm-hmm. year. I know we've had some fun fishing here and there. But that 1983 fishing, there is nothing. Gang, those of you that weren't here, you missed something that we can't even – you know, that's that's right when the freelance was being built. So right. the freelance wasn't there. It was still the sport fisher, but it was being built that helped finish the freelance. You I'm know, trying to explain to you what this fishing was like. This fishing was insane. Mm-hmm. And back in those days, we were fishing the half day boats and the three quarter day boats out of Dana and Newport were fishing side by side with the with the Red Rooster and the Royal Polaris and the Searcher and the everybody was there. The fish were living between Newport Canyon and Dana Point Canyon. And it was incredible. And what Donnie just talked about, what did we catch? What did we catch? We caught yellowfin tuna, a lot of them, 15 to 30 pound fish. Uh, We caught a lot of Dorado. It was um, bullet tuna and skipjack up the yin yang, which made the half day boats really happy. And yellowtail fishing was insane. Yeah, yellowtail fish and the yellowtail were in there on the beach. Remember that you troll yeah. around San Onofre in ninety feet of water, gang. We would troll 
we would get all done with that yellow and it, we would get done with that yellow yeah. fin. <laughs> no but but David, but David, the reason we had to troll for them is because we didn't, nobody had the sonar. Nobody had a sonar. Right. Because otherwise nowadays these guys, you know, like the San Diego or the, the freelance now Catalina or whatever, you, you don't have to, you don't have to troll around and locate the schools. You're, you're going to see it on the sonar and then set up on it and stuff like that. But yeah, but it, it, it like you said, you get a two or three way jig strike down there at the El San Onofre. You better hang on, baby. And they would come. The fifth gang, you can't even understand. I know you guys have seen some pretty cool tuna bites, but when you'd get a jig strike on this yellowtail, the stuff would just want to get on the boat. The whole boat would get. You'd have fifty. Well, on our boat, we had sixty. You had forty nine. Every forty nine people would be bit at the same flipping time, and it was like that day in and day out. Hey, Junior's here. Junior, I know you're loving this show because you were there. Max Boozler was there. Though. He's seen it all. He was there. Max, Donnie remembers. Max was there watching you build the boat. Max was working with us on the on the Clemente. It was... Max, uh, Max, Max actually worked on the freelance for a few years. Max yeah, was, was there. Galley. He was galley cook. Yeah, he was galley cook. Yep. Unbelievable. The, the fishing was so... Absolutely unbelievable back then. And then. Tell Max the rock cod sucked because that's why we got the cow cod shut off because 1984. You know that, right? Oh, I Because know. we didn't fish rock cod. So they said there can't be any more cow cod. And so that's what started the, the ban was because the LA Times didn't show any cow cod for the season. <laughs> yeah, no, it was sad. But you had that rock cod thing and. I was working for Mike Thompson then on the patrician. Rock cod fishing was incredible back then. It was just absolutely incredible. These poor guys today have to go out there and fish the 14 and 800 feet of water or 600 feet of water with two hooks. <laughs> Are you out of your ever-loving mind? David, uh, I never dropped down with less than 20. Oh, exactly. And when we were commercial fishing, we were using 50 hooks and it, you used to do a trip on the freelance back in the beginning because you didn't stop. There was no winter. There was no. No, we, no, we went. We went the Cherry Bank. Did day and we 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 call it the sleeping bag special. Uh, Curtis Wagner, that owned the Pacifica back then, called it the the barbecue special because we barbecued their sleeping bags when the weather was bad. Yeah, if you <laughs> but, look at you look at the freelance here, gang. There are no bunks on this boat. Okay. Yep. Big, beautiful boat. But you know where the money comes from on the boat. You built one of the most spectacular galleys of any sport boat anywhere. You can see a lot of people in there. Gigantic grill. You can cook a lot of food on that boat. And uh, there it is. That's a beautiful profile right there. What a bitching machine, huh? Yeah, you know, I took I took the Western Pride and the San Diego, the Victory, and I just took pieces from all those boats. And um, uh, the only thing I could that I would have liked to have done differently was put the bathrooms down below, but then it would have smelled because you know the galley's down below. So we put it in the only place it could be up forward. But you know, other than that, it's I mean, it's perfect platform. You could fish the whole boat. And then it's got that beautiful sun deck for all the people to sit on when you're traveling. Yeah, that's where they slept on the rock cod trips is up there. 
there in the galley. There and in the galley, and you were wet. It was cold. It was winter time, gang. It was winter time. You know how dewy it is and how cold. Plus, it was very rough a lot well, of the time. And David, here's the thing: because here, let's go back to when the, we had the old Thunderbird at Davy's Locker, and we're the the bluefin were biting on the Cortez. Well, the squid was right below Newport Harbor, so. We took turns. The Thunderbird, you had to do a day and a half trip. So the Thunderbird would run one night and the Freelance would run the other night. The Freelance was full every night with no fucking bunks because we had 100 scoops of bait. And everyone knew we could fish from sunup to sundown. And uh, you had the most spectacular bait system, bait, 100 scoop bait tank, four, right. four well. It was incredible. It was absolutely incredible. But let's go back a little bit. Talk about this squid thing. Okay, Donnie may, when we would go squid fishing, and I talk about it on the website a lot, a lot of times you're standing there staring at water. That Donnie or Doug or whoever your captain is, he's seeing it on the meter and it's coming up, it's coming up, it's 20 feet deep and he's yelling out the window, do you guys see anything? Do you see anything? How can you not see it? It's, and it's kind of, but you look and you don't see it or you see 10 or 15 and it won't float all night. Donnie went, Donnie decided, you know what? I got a way to fix this. And you kind of touched on it a minute, but he built this Lempara net. And for guys like me, and like he said, there's a lot of people today don't have this and the labor laws and all the different things that are, that are in play today make it kind of hard. But back in the day, we all wanted to, we didn't, we went squid fishing all night for nothing. You went to kill fish, David. Right. You wanted to kill fish. Yeah, that's all. That's, we were So <laughs> our boss at the time, Doug Harmer, would take me and Max and we'd go. And we already worked all. This is what they don't understand, too. We already worked <laughs> all day. We already worked all day. And we filleted 900 to 1,000 fish. We filleted 1,000 fish. And then... We got the people off the boat and all the way up to Newport, we scrubbed the boat as fast as we could because we knew when we would get to the freelance, Doug would drop us off. We would come bow up to the stern of the freelance and we would both jump off so we could help Donnie pull the net in. Oh, I can't even, just talking about it right now gets my heart all going. I get all excited because that's how... Those days are long gone. There's no kids today that want to participate in any of this fun stuff. But, man, we owned it. We definitely owned it. And you were a trendsetter, and you took this thing to a whole different level. It was a different level. Right? Yeah, I mean, it's it's amazing. I think about it back now as, God, we're just lucky we didn't hurt somebody. We didn't think about all this stuff now that you got to think about it. I mean, it's crazy. We just went fishing, David. It was just fishing. And it was the drive that the kept drive. us going. And nobody cared. I mean, it wasn't, it was like you said, it wasn't about the sleep or whatever. And I saw somebody commenting about fishing at the rigs. Yes, the freelance pioneered fishing at the oil rigs. But your oil company ruined that by putting the muscle machines on there. But, you know, and the reason I say we pioneered it, pioneered it, I had to put a bigger anchor system on so I could anchor in 700 feet of water and get lined up on the rig to catch the yellowtail. I mean, it was, I did whatever I had to do to to get the boat in position to catch fish. And uh, that was some fun fishing when it was the rigs. 
Now, oh my gosh, it was incredible to think you're going to go anchor up in 800 feet of water. Unbelievable, just mind-boggling. And then those fish would come off that rig and they were all 20 pound plus yellowtail and all they wanted to do was get back to those pilings. And they hurt. Those and suckers we hurt. <laughs> we didn't have any of the technology they had today. We had six ot reels, six O's, the same reels we used for rock cod. We would strip the Dacron off and crank on monofilament, either 60 or 80 pound and tie a hook straight to it. There was no floral carbon leaders. There were no two speed reels. There was no braided line. Can you imagine fishing the rigs now with these little two-speed reels with the Spectra line on there? Oh, yeah. Oh, my Cause, goodness. Because that was the whole thing is you had to get 20 wines on the fish. Otherwise, you would lose them. And what do you think the, what do you think the reason is that fish doesn't come there anymore? They put, those, um, they put a device on the rigs to keep the mussels from growing so fast. And yeah, the divers will tell you the same thing when they go dive in there. It hurts their ears. But it's... Uh, it's something that keeps the muscles from growing. And ever since then, they, they don't live there anymore. And I don't know if you've, um, if you're watching some of these videos, uh, like my wife says, I got to stay off of YouTube or whatever. But these guys fishing the rigs 10 to 20 miles off the shore in um, Biloxi and stuff, the ones that are uninhabited now. And they're just wide open tuna and all that stuff under them, you know, because they're not being serviced anymore. And they have wide open fishing. We'd have the same thing if they shut these rigs down, if they turn. I, I, I don't have any idea because to me, maybe they were worried about somebody getting hurt or killed, something falling off the rig. But, yeah, I mean, they destroyed it. They destroyed it. That was a hell of a fishery, man. Those fish live there. Oh, it was incredible. When you cracked that code, oh, my gosh. You cracked that code and we were all, we were like, oh, my gosh, we got to get up there. And I remember getting on the boat in the morning and stripping because we didn't have time. We were, we were fishing and then we would fish right up and on our day off, we would have a day off and we would go fishing with Donnie and we would have our six ot reels and we'd be standing at the trash can and we'd be stripping that Dacron off while you're driving up to the rig, strip it off, crank on the monofilament, then look for a wrench or a good pair of pliers and beat the drag. Beat it down, gang. Like, you had to beat the – when people say hammer down, well, we hammered it down. Because if that yellowtail took an inch of line, you were on the rig. And in those right. days, and we were operating on no sleep. Right. We didn't care. Because what did we want to do? We wanted to go kill fish so bad. And we would kill fish all week. And then we'd go fish with Donnie on, on our day off. We so one of my best stories, David, about fishing the rigs, we had 75 people on there. All we had was freaking 12-inch bohunk sardines. And I was going, oh, my God, you know, almost 80 people on the boat. How are these going to – so we had a three-hour wide-open bite on the yellowtail. We ended up – we probably had 60 on the boat, crews exhausted. Um. And this guy comes up in the wheelhouse. He had five or six yellowtail. He had his three kids with him. And he said, okay, Captain, when are you going to go catch something for the kids here so they can catch something? And I went, oh, my God. I just thought we just had the best day ever. He just ruined, busted my bow. I go, oh, my God, what am I going to do? 
So then I went and anchored up on freaking Isers, not even trying to catch a fish. And we ended up catching 250 bass. And the guy comes up and hands me a $100 bill. He says, thanks, Cap. Thanks for going to do something I asked to do. it." And it was strictly luck. And I was just like going, oh, my God. You know, because we had no bait. I can't, can't even believe, you know, we did that good. You know, but it was, it's, it was funny because we forget about that there's just, you know, the, the glory fish. But we got to make sure there's and something the there children, for the kids to catch. Got to take care of the children. Now, rockfish fishing today. We're going to stop for one second. I just want to show, show a few of our uh, viewers that haven't seen this yet. And you and I will be back on here in just a second. Just watch this for one second. I don't know if you've been paying attention to our website, yoursaltwaterguide.com. But if you go and you look through the community section and look at all the pictures of all the great rockfish that Justin's catching with all of his clients and all the members are using they're using these rock cod squirts gang these rock cod squirts are a game changer when you're fishing those rockfish these things are already pre-rigged ready to go all you got to do is take them out of the package you hook your sinker on to all right gang you go to the promar grab that qr code right there on the screen you can go straight to their website because we're going to talk a lot about rockfish right now but Grab that QR code, go to Promar's website, get some of those rock cod squirts, and uh, you won't fail at rock fish. You don't have to put a piece of squid on them? Well, we put a strip on there, but if they take it off, they'll still eat those little squids. Okay. It's crazy. And you don't have to believe me. You can go look at the website at the community section and just see the hundreds of people putting their post up with those things hanging out of their David, mouth. David, stop a second. Fishermen don't lie. No. We just no. might stretch the story a little bit, but fishermen don't lie. We're just telling our version of the truth. That's all. That's it. That's it. So grab that QR code. I'm going to throw that off of there. So this rock cod thing back in the day was absolutely incredible. The way you knew that 14 mile bank was incredible. And think about this gang. Donnie already talked about it a little bit. There was no chart plotters. There was, we got, remember when the Loran came in? Oh my gosh. And it was such a game changer. We didn't think there would be any way there'd be any fish left on the planet when we could get that close to them when the Loran, but remember when we didn't have any of that? David, I can remember on the 14 mile bank. I can remember out on the Southeast bank. You find some chilies biting, and the next thing you knew, you're throwing over an eight-pound sass weight with a fucking Clorox bottle so that oh, you can God. find it again. <laughs> yeah. yeah, because that was your marker. That was your GPS. That was yep. your mark the spot. That was your GPS yeah. marker. But, David, I, you know, I, in my opinion, and, and I don't know what it is, but there's been a big shift in regime because there was never this. This red snapper is has taken over more than the Bacachos or whatever. And I don't know how much the closures have to do with it, but these red rock cod are like, I mean, we've never seen them at Newport like this. I'm talking about on the coast. Right. And then, and all of a sudden, uh, Rusty on the freelance is fishing 600 feet of water on the east end of Catalina where I've fished there all my life. And he's catching six to eight pound reds on those deep drop tuna jigs. I'm like going, Never caught anything like that back then. Uh, right. You, 
you know, so it, 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 I know that, you know, things, you know, have changed and I, I, you know, but I don't know. It's almost like the reds have taken over. I know they're a very aggressive fish, but I don't remember there being this many reds around. And the, the little one, there's so many of those beautiful little one, two pound reds and they're on every spot. Right. And they've even moved into like the, the uh, 60, 80 foot of water spots. You catch those little, those beautiful little ones. We never saw that growing up. No. We never saw that. No, that's what I'm saying. I mean, hey, we, we keep talking about the past, but I've seen like, you know, kind of like this bluefin thing. This bluefin, the only bluefin around when we were growing up was at fucking Guadalupe Island. Oh, excuse my language. At Guadalupe Island. But, you know, now we've got year-round bluefin living around here. And, you know, people are like, you know, the ocean's overfished, this and that. I'm sitting there, dude, where, where else in the world can you take a 5 o'clock trip on the bongos and be fishing bluefin tuna by nine o'clock in the morning for a hundred to 200 pound fish. Yeah. Exactly. Not out, not, not in the Newport, you know, Newport beach or Dana point. And, and I mean, that's what's happening nowadays. Right. It's a different thing. Well, what we saw last year, that Dorado thing, you and I had never seen that. We've no. seen Dorado, but we never seen giant schools of free swimming Dorado. Like you do in the sea of Cortez, right off of Newport Harbor, or right off of Dana point. That was insane. The amount of Dorado that were up here. So. Yeah. And you know, everyone thinks that the Dorado came from down South. The Dorado came from offshore. They came from the West. When the Marlin come in here, they come from the West. And a lot of people don't, everybody always thinks, Oh, the, you know, it, it all comes from Cabo. This Dorado came from the West. They come from, and Hawaii. it was big, and it was incredible. I mean, there was a, I mean, it was just an incredible biomass of, of, I mean, to, to see thirty sport boats stopped on one kelp patty and every one of them catching two hundred Dorado. I mean, yeah. incredible, you know, unheard of. I want to talk about a fish real quick, and then we're going to get deep into the squid thing because there's a lot of people here that want to know about squid, and they don't understand it. I guarantee you that. But the funny thing is, is when the Fish and Wildlife opened up this depth restriction, they threw that word sablefish or black cod in to get everybody all excited. We, when we were fishing rockfish, if we caught a sablefish, what were we? We were pissed. Yeah. We weren't on the spot anymore. You drifted into the mud. You were, oh my. And did anybody keep them back then? Nope. Never. Nope. Oh, it's like the sought after fish. All these fishermen, all these people on my website call, call me all the time going, Dave, you know any good sable fish spots? I go, yeah, just get as far away from any of the rocks as you can. Because... <laughs> I don't understand what the big draw is to this sable fish, but it is one of the sought after fish now. It's it, it's a Japanese. The Japanese love it for some reason because of the color of the of the oil in the fish and the coloring. Because I don't care for it either, but but they love it. Yeah, well, we never kept it, and I just wanted to make sure someone like you grew up with me because I tell the people all the time. We never kept them. They were garbage fish. We thought it was right. like a tomcod. If you weren't on the spot, it's like nowadays when you get a sand dab, you're off the spot. You're like, ah, oh, we missed it. 
I and I, I don't, I don't remember what year it was, but Doug Farrell still owned the Western Pride, but those things invaded the end of the pipe one year. And I remember the Western Pride was carrying 99 people a day, catching 990 of the sable fish every day. Wow. And that was a cold water year. And I don't remember what year it was, but it, it this is during the sport fisher time. So, okay. So it was a long time ago, but like you said, you know, we, you don't, David, you really don't catch them around here, but they, they sure do outside the 209, all the deep spots, 300 fathoms. Right. Pretty crazy. Pretty crazy that they're such a sought after fish. So now you took this squid fishing thing to a whole different level. Tell us about this picture and then we're going to delve into the squid thing because we got a little bit of time. Well, what you're seeing there is that is my son is on the light boat on the Don's rig and he's on about 300 ton of squid at San Clemente Island and see how the squid are all white. They're up on top that there, there's a net surrounding that squid there and they're only going to catch about a third of that squid. The net will go down and the rest just go out. And the thing with squid is what people have to realize they only live nine months. So if they're not caught, before they spawn, they just die. And it's not like they, you know, they just, so uh, that's why it's a renewable resource. And that's why the Monterey Bay Aquarium um, has certified squid as a fish to eat because it is a renewable resource because they spawn every nine months and uh, there's plenty of them. Okay, so there's squid that the boat we were looking, your son took the picture from his boat. So we don't see the light boat. No. We're looking out at the person or the boat right. with the net on it. He wraps that net around your boat, your squid, right. your son's boat. And the, your son's boat is what they call a light boat. Explain yes. It's not, because David, it's not a heavy boat. It's a light boat. Remember that. It's not a heavy. That's what my wife says. You don't have heavy boats? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, so it's, it's the... It's the attractor boat. So they get they get paid 20% for attracting the squid. And how are they otherwise the squid otherwise the squid would be all spread out and it's not worth for the for the net boat to put put the net around them unless the, the fish are schooled up. And what are we using to attract them? What are these lights? What cuz you you took that well, what we use is what's called metal halide Japanese light bulbs. They're about $500 each. Uh, they're 3,000 watts. We're allowed to use 30,000 watt total, and they have to have shades covering the lights. Is that because they'll blind you if you look at them? No, the shades were to protect the marine life on the islands and stuff so, the, so that the lights didn't shine up on the side of the mountains and, and stop a pelican from breeding. Okay, I gotcha. I got okay. That, that makes sense. Yeah, because there's hardly any pelicans, so that's good. That's good. There you go. <laughs> okay, so now we're driving around. We find some squid on our light boat. We set up on the nest. Do we anchor? Yeah. When you find that nest, you're gonna. That's yours, right? Yes. What what an unwritten law is in the fishery is that we that each guy can fish within one eighth of a mile of each other. Okay. And that picture you're looking at right there is Monterey, California, two years ago. And if you look at the little um, opening down there, that's Monterey Harbor. And that okay. all those little blips are light boats and purse lit up on squid. 
and the, 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 it's a giant submarine canyon that comes into Monterey. And you look around there, you'll see no squid. And when the tide turns and goes the right way, the squid move into the canyon. And then they come under the boats at night. So and all those boats are sitting there. How far away from each other are they? they those boats, like because they're in Monterey Bay, because it's a small area, they're a 16th of a mile apart. Half the uh, distance. Okay, half the normal distance at San Clemente Island or California. Right. Now, exactly. You and I because it's a small there. it's a small area to fish up there, trying to make it fair for everybody. So, did you guys set this eighth of a mile? Did the government who set the eighth of a mile? Is it courtesy? Courtesy amongst the boats, because it doesn't. It, it you want you want a guy to be able to work his piece of property, you know. So if you put if you put everybody on top of one another, there's no way to set a net. You know, the nets are not small. You got to be able to make a circle. So this something that you guys don't that are new or just trying to figure out this whole squid thing, East Coast, wherever you're at. This boat right here is the commercial per same boat. It almost looks like one of the deadliest catch kind of boats. It's for those people that don't really know what's going on. And this boat has a giant net on it and they take that net and they go all the way around, all the way around your son's boat, the light boat. They circle his whole boat with the net trying right. to catch all that bait. That's and you would think you would think that you would catch every single one, but you only catch about a third or 20 percent of what's there. It's it's amazing. And you would think in your brain as a fisherman that you put the net around them. But I. Most of the times when you have a school like that, as soon as you pull the net in, you have the same school, the same size right away. These aren't bait spots. These are spawning spots of squid. And, it, you know, usually they're 500 to 1,000 ton come in at a time. So, you know, so, and they move back out. They only come in to spawn and then they move back out later on. And it's the most cleanest fishery. There's no white sea bass on it. There's no salmon. There's no yellowtail because it's not a bait spot. It's a big, giant spawning spot. I mean, you know, like with anchovies or sardines, when there's a lot of something, it protects them from everything else. Okay. You know, it's and it uh, makes it very clean. So very clean this, fishery. Back to this picture. How much squids in this picture right now? You think? You know, two two hundred to three hundred tons. Yes. Tons. Not pounds, tons. tons, tons. Now, that boat catches that. That fit. They're in 180 feet of water. That fish goes all the way to the bottom, like you see on top. Wow, gang, is that incredible? Now, yeah, here's what I want. And they to have to be careful that they don't split the net. They have to go real slow. Because when that squid decides to all go to the bottom, they could. It it can roll the boat over or tear the net in half. Yeah, they, they just know they go slow. They go real slow. Powerful little fish. Okay, so they set your son. They caught all that squid, or they caught three quarters of it, or half of it. Tomorrow night is that squid there again? Yeah. The exact same spot. Right in the same exact spot because there's a nest on the bottom that they, they that that's that's the weird part about squid. You can. Sit there and think in your brain. I, in 1997, I swore up and down. I was at Santa Cruz Island that I caught 300 ton of squid that night. Three o'clock in the morning, I didn't see another pound. The guy said, don't move. Whatever you do, don't move. 
I look at my meters all day long. I don't see nothing. You know, you don't catch nothing. You don't make no money. And uh, I said, don't move, don't move. So I just sat there and then about 6.30 at night, all of a sudden you could see the birds and the sea lions jumping around about a half a mile outside of me. And here comes another wave. Had another 300 ton that night. You know, but that's how, but they want to be right there. They want to be on that place on the bottom and nobody, you know, knows what, what there is, why they want to lay their eggs there. But that's, you know, they've been doing it for hundreds of years. That was you know, wherever, wherever, they, wherever they decide they want to lay their eggs and they're going to keep coming back to. And then here's something that you touched on a little bit. Monterey Bay Aquarium said it's okay to catch this fish, take it home and eat it. Because that's what squid is, is a fish. Now, you fish that spot. Let's just say you're talking 97, but you've been fishing that like that for a very long time. 1986. How blown away are you that you go right back there? And they're there again. It's it, 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 it's 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 hard to comprehend, but it is. It blows you away. Then how does that squid that's already been dead, how does it know to come back there? Right. What What is in there? But I know a lot like in the Monterey thing, it's real easy to tell because of that submarine canyon. You know, it's just where they are. And we know with that submarine canyon, once they start coming in to spawn and lay their eggs, they're going to go up the coast there. They won't stay right there in that canyon. And then, you know, then they start moving, but they, you know, they move to certain places where they like to lay their eggs. And then you get a lot of that. I look at Pyramid Cove. Yeah. How long squid been in Pyramid Cove? Yes. Forever. How long squid come to Eel Cove? You know, there, and, but there's other places where it never shows up unless it's, unless you just catch it moving through like a school of tuna. You know, and we used to catch a lot of it in Dana Point, that canyon there, and your canyon in Newport. And you mm -hmm. still have a lot. There's like a resident school that keeps coming up right there inside the red buoy at the mouth of your harbor, which makes zero sense. They but, love the nutrients, David. And they like that. The nutrients food. coming out of the harbor. And so they come in there to feed? Yeah. All right. What about, okay, here's another thing that was a phenomenon phenom back in the day and they a lot of people haven't seen it we talked about albacore a little bit but the giant squid how cool is that fishery that's a phenomenal yeah, I, fishery. I, I can still hear you laughing 15 boats away it's um i don't know it's 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 amazing and you know what the amazing part is and i'm not it's not about being prejudiced or whatever but if we catch the giant squid one day or one night, we'll have 60 or 70 Vietnamese from Garden Grove on the boat. And I never could figure out how the hell that many of them knew about it because they come down and bring their ice chest and everything else. And it was crazy. I mean, it, those giant squid were not a nice thing in Newport Beach because they ruined the sidewalks. We had to pay for the sidewalks getting clean. But you talk about... A mess, but yeah, I mean, it's crazy and fun. People have fun, broken rods, <laughs> all kind mayhem. of stuff. Man, the boat's black, the streets are black, the sidewalks are black. People get dragging their gunny sacks from Davy's locker down to where they parked. Oh my gosh, right in front of those multi million dollar homes, just wiping out their sidewalks. Then what happened is 
didn't the city of Newport sign an ordinance that you guys couldn't bring them in unless they were cleaned or processed or something? We had to do that at the landing because we're getting too much pressure from the city. Okay. It, I right. mean, they either had to be cleaned or you had to have an ice chest to take them off the boat because we couldn't take a chance of you dragging them up the street. And think about this. Those of you that don't know, these squid, an average squid weighed 20 pounds. And then and you'd catch as many as you wanted. And these were giant. And you can't carry a 20-pound squid in a sack on your shoulder. You're dragging it on the street. And it permeates into that concrete. That ink is there for the rest of the time. Pretty amazing. It, it's, it, it, it's, it's, in the, it's in the deck of the boat for the rest of the time, too. Oh, baby. Now, what about, what do you think? Albacore, do you think we're going to see him in our lifetime again? Oh, my God, David. Hot, I'm not even going to go down that path. That's a hot subject, baby. David, I mean, okay. All I can tell you is the, the Japanese current that normally runs down through Frisco, which the last five years it's been running through the Oregon coast, is down below Monterey this year. So if that truly is where the Albacore travel, the train, if that is the train, then maybe we'll see Albacore in the northern sector of California. Okay. But I don't think we're going to see it down here. All right. Not, we're not like they're talking with the, the El Nino that's coming in July, if that really happens. Then another thing. Would you if the water stays cold like this, I think that we'd have a chance. A fish that you made a phenomenal living off of. You were like the master of it. You going to talk about barracuda? Yeah, that sonar <laughs> and that barracuda. Oh, my gosh, gang. I'm sorry. We'll go back to sport boat days with me. Some of us followed Donnie around because we knew he would find it. Plus, he had all the bait. And Donnie and I had the sonar. He was, we were such good friends that Donnie would call me up in the morning. Back then, we only had landlines, and he would let me know, hey, I'm going to go look for him here. And I would be running the seahorse, and I would go there because I knew Mellows were going to give me nine scoops of bait for my 60 people. And uh, we're going barracuda fishing. And what does it take to get those things to bite? A phenomenal amount of chum. And Donnie would have 100 scoops. So I'd get close to Donnie and wait for him to tell me it was okay. And he would give me some bait first mm -hmm. so that we could fish. And then we would just get his leftovers and he would let me get on his bow or something. Cause, and he would tell me, he'd go, okay, 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 okay. Right over there. Go, go another 30 yards right there. Stop. Do you see it? It should be under your boat right now because he was watching it on his sonar. We mm -hmm. didn't have a sonar, but he, you and I have been such good buddies for so long and you're, your old protege that ran the boat for years, Goble and I, we fish tag teamed all the time because of the bait. You were right. like the bait boat out there. It was incredible. The freelance always had a phenomenal amount of bait and a sonar. And you saved my ass more than one time. And uh, do you think what happened to that fish? Well, and I know, and I'm optimistic. I, you know, just like me hiring you 40 years ago. <laughs> I'm optimistic about fishing and whatever. The thing is, I can point to the sand bass. I can't point to the barracuda because they weren't commercially fished. Um, they used to be all the way from below Ensenada all the way to Santa Barbara. 
And, and I don't mean just small schools. I'm talking 50 to 110 schools. Nobody's seen that for four or five years. Now, I don't think it's up the coast. I don't know what's happened. Um, all, all we can do is hopefully, like you said, it's, it's how, what's the word? Centric, centric, cyclical. 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 That, you know, that, that they're going to come back and, and, and they're going to make liars out of us. But, you know, um, that's one fish I'd worried about because it wasn't caught commercially. So it, it wasn't overfishing, but where did it go? What happened? You know, what, you know why, why did such a healthy fishery, and there's been plenty of squid. They love squid. They love sardines. Um, I don't know, but, man, we used to see schools of barracuda it, almost every day coming back from Catalina in the channel somewhere, breaking on anchovies or sardines. Well, you don't I'm, even hear anybody saying that anymore. On the interview we did with you and Doug, Doug had a great observation on this thing. Because he would say that fish would go into the kelp and then at night and lay its eggs and then go back out in the canyons in the morning to feed. And that's where we would find it. And now you have all these animals out there that are just waiting to eat them. They can't even slow down. We never had this, this uh, population of the California sea lion like we have right now. And Doug, that's what he said. He thought his... His theory was they can't slow down. Yeah, but Dave, the thing is, I, I, I mean, I understand the sea lions eat half their weight every day. But, dude, I mean, I can remember times out there, and I'm not even over-exaggerating, you know, 800 to 1,000 ton of barracuda in the area between Newport and the Horseshoe Kelp at times. I mean, I mean, we used to try to anchor up on the sand bass and, and prayed the barracuda didn't hit us too early because we were fishing for eight or nine hours because eventually they'd find us in the chum. But, you know, I don't know. We just don't, you know, that volume. You know, if they were seeing the volume somewhere, I'd be, I'd have no problem. But it's not even in Mexico. Right. We don't see down in Mag Bay like we used to see. We used to see huge no. schools of it in Mag Bay all the way up to turtle. You don't see that fish traveling up and down like you used to when you stop on the rocks and you throw the iron. You don't a, everybody used to see the barracuda all the way up to Santa Barbara. You don't. That is a very strange thing that occurred. But it's like you said, the albacore. We haven't seen that albacore. A lot of people that have been fishing for a living for the last 15 years have never caught an albacore. Right. Was fishing for 20 years, they had never caught an albacore. So maybe it's the same thing. Maybe it's just a giant cycle that we've never, because we're not that old that we haven't seen because my dad. Well, me. but the, the thing with albacore, David, is that we can point to a healthy population. The well, albacore population is there healthy. There are no barracuda anywhere. Yeah. The, 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 that's the difference is the, the, the albacore population is healthy. It's just on a Northern push the last 15 years, 20 years. Right. You know, but, you know, um, all I can say is that Japanese current is further south this year than it has been in at least 10 or 12 years. Okay. So, oh, your Starlink started to waver. Your Starlink started to waver. Oh, no, I was adjusting so you could see Marley. <laughs> I see Marley. We see, just see Marley bouncing around. He wanted to be on this show. Okay, so 
Nowadays, what do you do? You just go fishing in Lake Havasu? Oh, I don't, I don't, I don't really want to answer that one, David. But <laughs> I, we, yeah, we. I mean, you know what? Hey, I, I, I check with the boats. I check with all the squid guys. I check with everything every day, and then, yeah, this morning was our. First day taking the pontoon boat out in the morning. My wife said, we ain't going at 5 a.m. So we left at 7.30. So. And now you have an idea where those fish are in the lake. Right, so right. Now you know where to. Okay, back one more time. I know. got to go buy to... 75 feet of rope after we get off the phone. No, I'm okay. serious. I gotta, I'm going to anchor on those babes and chum. I, I, had my, I had the Monterey Fish Company sent me 250 pounds of anchovies, so I'm ready. Oh, my gosh. How exciting is that? Oh, that'll be fun. That'll take the fish. That'll make them bite you, like you always did back when you were running the freelance and sports. Got it. Whoever Got it, chum, baby. Bait wins. Whoever has the most bait wins. So freelance sport fishing, you have a couple of light boats still in your in your yes. repertoire? Yes. And they're fishing. Is there, what's the, what's the synopsis on the squid? Are we going to have a lot of squid in our area down here? Or is it all going to be? They won't have it for a few months. Yeah. You think right so? now there's a little bit Monterey, but uh, yeah. Uh, the synopsis is going to be a lot of squid around in October, November, which doesn't do sport fishing any good, but there'll be, a, there'll be a lot of squid. Okay. Uh, and and do you know how we know be, that? How do you know that? We know that because we do paralarvae surveys. The the squid association does. They had the most eggs this winter during the during all the rain. Oh wow! The rain makes nutrients. Food. Right. right. So, very large spawn. We talked. No, about very that. large biomass. We talked about how this rain was going to be good. Guys are talking already about how clean the water already is. In a lot of places, it hasn't been clean for a long time. Flush. Nice flushing. Yep. Nice flushing nutrients back into the ocean that we haven't seen in a very long time. I talked about it a lot. We nutrients are important. Absolutely. No. To a healthy ocean and a healthy yeah, look what happened to salt sea. They gave the fertilizer nutrients and it killed the salt sea. So no fertilizer. <laughs> that was a beautiful fishery there for a long time. Well, gang, we're going to wrap this up. We were blessed to have you with us today, Donnie. Thank you very, very much. I can't tell you how happy I am. This was so much fun. I was looking forward to this. Let's do it again, Dave. We're not done, buddy. We will do it <laughs> some more. I promise you we will be here. Maybe we'll get a guest celebrity appearance from one of your captains or something someday. Maybe they'll answer their phone. That would be wild. <laughs> and I have my I get my tooth in next Tuesday, so... I won't look like a tweaker anymore, guys. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So, gang, thank you all very, very much for watching the show today. Share it with all your friends. If you've ever been wondering about the squid fishery, now you got a big time information on that and a lot of good history with me and Don growing up fishing. And it's all about passion, baby. It's all about passion. We hook a fish today, either one of us. You can hear us anywhere you are. It all matters because we are got it just like we had it when we were kids. Thanks, Donnie, very, very much. The passion and the love never goes, David. That's right. If that's it does, right. put us in a casket. Yep. That's Even it. your dad. Your dad never lost the passion. Nope. I got to take him his last calico bass fishing trip, him and, and Dart and my dad, all he wanted to do was catch a bass before he died, and he got to catch one, and that was pretty special. That's 
Yeah, thanks, Donnie. Love thanks, you, man. Everybody. Thanks. Bye. You want to succeed. You want to fish. You want to be one of the greatest. <laughs> Tune in to West Marine's Life on the Water, presented by Costa Custom Boats, every Saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.